Hi, thank you for joining us. This Mitadelcom podcast episode has been produced by the Media Diversity Institute Global, which is a member of the Mitadelcom Consortium. Are media organizations changing the way they present issues, stories, and information to counter disinformation and growing polarization, while at the same time encouraging more community involvement? Hello, and welcome to this Media Delcom podcast with me, Tanya Saksuski, a journalist and Media Diversity Institute Global Communications Manager. In this episode, I'll be exploring what's happening in Colorado in the United States, where a deliberative communications project is reaching out to its local community. I'll be speaking to two people, Martin Carcasson, who's the director of the Center for Public Deliberation at Colorado State University, and Eric Larson, the editor of the Coloradoan newspaper, which is part of the project and has adopted deliberative journalism. First, I want to find out from Martin Carcasson what his center, the CPD, which was set up about 17 years ago, has been doing. I'm a communication studies professor. I have focused for the last 20 years now on how do we talk about tough issues? Um, How do we have the conversations that we need to have uh, across perspectives for democracy to work? Uh, initially, I focused more on national politics, and I grew pretty frustrated with the uh, uh, the, the problematic uh, conversations that, particularly in the United States, a two party system kind of sparks. So, I switched my work when I got to CSU from national to local, um, and built the CBD as this kind of local resource uh, to help people um, have these conversations. So, what I do with the CBD is through dedicated courses, I train primarily undergraduate students as facilitators. And then we actually design and run events for the city and the school district and community organizations. And, you know, so 100 people show up to talk about an issue instead of 100 people just listening to experts on the stage or walking up to a microphone one at a time. We can split them up into 15 different tables with one of my students at each with a specifically designed process uh, to help them have this tough conversation, to dig into the nuance, to to struggle through some of the tensions, and hopefully to tap into kind of human creativity to to solve the problems better instead of just assuming kind of you know the, the problem is the other side kind of thing, right? So we've been doing that work, I think, rather successfully uh, for about sixteen years. And what happened with my own work is I started thinking more broadly. I, I was happy with the the events that we are running. Um, but we're thinking more broadly about, uh, you know, basically the, I use the term deliberative system or the, the information ecosystem in, in Northern Colorado. Um, and you know, how can we influence broader conversations, not just the people that show up to our meetings. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we always had a good relationship with, with the Coloradan, with the local newspaper, uh, which is certainly part of that. Uh, and I started kind of exploring more and more, uh, uh, you know, the role of journalism and democracy in those connections, because there were so many connections to the work that I do with that. Um, and part of it, the Coloradan actually uh, stopped their opinion page maybe about five or six years ago uh, for a variety of reasons, not getting enough clicks and it takes a lot of work and so forth. Uh, so, so that actually kind of pushed me. I went to this conference by the American Press Institute about the future of editorial journalism, uh, try to understand that. And then API ended up having a grant for innovation that the Colorado and I went into, which sparked this Northern Colorado Deliberative Journalism Project. Uh, and essentially what that is, is you know taking some of the concepts that I know from my work as a facilitator, as a process designer, uh, designing these, these uh, you know, live uh, synchronous events 
the training I give my students on how to intervene in a conversation to help people have a, a deeper, more more effective conversation uh, to work through these these tough issues. Uh, how can we translate that to journalism? Right. Uh, so it's kind of an ongoing experiment. We started in the fall of, of 21. Uh, so we're a little bit over a, a year in of just kind of experimenting on, on how to do that. And really, in some ways, I think we've done two big things so far. Uh, one is we've actually, you know, hopefully sparked a really a deep conversation about local journalism. So we've deliberated about journalism in a lot of ways. And then we're also trying to kind of innovate on this idea of deliberative journalism. What, uh, How is that different than, than other journalism? How do we kind of build up the skills uh, for journalists to, to you know, also have that as part of their skill set uh, to, to help their local community? With both the events and the journalism angles, what difference is deliberative communications or journalism making to these issues, to the conversation? Are you actually seeing a difference, a result? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. You know, a, a lot of my work is connected to like brain science and social psychology. And, and you know, unfortunately, our brains are much more wired for polarization than they are for deliberation. Uh, and and then, you know, again, at least our political system here in the United States being a two party system uh, triggers that. Right. And it makes it, you know, there's a red team and a blue team. And and our brain loves that. Our brains love simple stories. And we love, you know, a, a, a narrative with a hero and a victim and a villain. And once we decide who's playing each role, we you know our, our brain sees what we want. Uh, so, so much of our public discourse out there about difficult issues uh, is rather simplistic, right? And people are kind of talking past each other and then they start making assumptions about each other's motives. And that creates this vicious cycle uh, that erodes trust and erodes mutual understanding and, and, and you know, undermines our ability as communities to address our shared problems better. So what the CBD's been doing, what we're trying to do with deliberative journalism uh, is provide an alternative to that. How do we create conversations that don't reward those problematic tactics, right? That don't feed into the uh, simple negative aspects of human nature that want those stories and actually equips people to have the deeper conversation. And certainly in our events, we see that, uh, you know, we, we see people uh, shifting their perspective. We see people, you know, we have these beautiful aha moments that my students relate to me of, of someone like, like, you know, all of a sudden realizing the person that they're talking to is, is not evil, right? Uh, or, or is not stupid, right? It's like, oh, now, now I see where you're coming from, right? They still might disagree. They certainly might like their argument more than, but they they see that there's a reasonable person that disagrees with them. Um, you know, so that, that's what we're trying now to translate uh, into the journalism, you know, into these weekly conversations that we're helping the Coloradan with, uh, you know, but also kind of building up, you know, really you know, thinking about what's the role of a local newspaper uh, in contributing to the local conversation, right? Um, some of those are traditional in terms of providing more uh, good information um, and providing kind of access to a broad range of voices, but we're really kind of pushing on this, this, this third in terms of intervening in the conversation to help people have these broader ones, to, to reframe issues, to help us to dig into them in a much more productive way. Big question. Is that actually leading to better decisions or to be better decision making? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly, you know, my goal, again, I'm a communication professor, my goal is to spark much better conversations. But you know, the, the heart of the word deliberation, right, to deliberate means to have a conversation about what should we do, 
right? So you're deliberating about a choice. So certainly uh, our, our assumption, and I think we, we certainly have evidence of this with different projects, that if you elevate the quality of the discussion, then the decisions are going to be better. Not only, not only hopefully would the decision be better, but there's also more legitimacy to the decision. There's more support of it for it, right? People realize, you know, if you go through a good process, uh, you know, so when you're the decisions made and then it goes to implementation of a new policy, there's actually more support for that long term. So now to Eric Larson, the editor of the Coloradoan. Why did his newspaper decide to join the project and embrace deliberative journalism? You know, we were looking for a way to move past a traditional um, opinion offering that, frankly, um, that we didn't have the staff to do anymore. I had, you know, as, as, as our newsroom had retracted over the years, one thing that we found was we did have a full-time opinion um, editor and columnist. Um, and as we looked at what was resonating with readers, that was one thing that that wasn't. And so as we shifted some resources to reporting, you know, we're a fairly small newsroom, we're 13 people now, um, and to cover a, a metro area with 360,000 people, there were just a lot of stories that we weren't getting to. And we felt that it was more important that we give people information than allow them to opine on things that we weren't telling them about in the first place. But, you know, in retracting from that role, what we found was there was a real kind of vacuum of that, you know, town hall sounding board um, that the lack of a opinion offering created. And so what we looked at was how might we do things differently? Because we know that, you know, as, as we try to grow, as we try to reach younger audience, and I'm not talking younger as in, you know, 20 something year olds, I'm talking about people my age, you know, who I'm, you know, I'm in my early forties and many of my peers would never think to write a letter to the editor. Uh, many of my peers don't know what an op-ed is or an editorial or the difference of those things, but they do know conversation. They do know um, this this Facebook-driven social media era where you know conversation happens at the speed of life and not at the speed of print. So what we look to do is say, okay, how can we broaden our range of voices that are represented because typically you know we might we had a weekly print opinion offering that was probably on one page so you got maybe the voices of three people um represented um and they were usually the same type of older white people who tend to write letters to the editor and we said well what how can we appeal to the more casual writer, the more the the involved citizen who's who might not you know want to sit down and write two hundred and fifty even six hundred words about an issue, but really pointedly says, "Hey, I have this to say about this, and I want to say it somewhere that I'm not going to get immediately attacked at, um, you know, because Facebook is just not a safe space for that in many in many places." 
And so there's there's a real interesting you know platform. It's called the Coral Project um, that you know that uh, Gannett has been a part of, and we were able to use their commenting platform, um, which it takes out a lot of the the very obvious initial incivility um, by moderating out you know vulgarities, by moderating out personal attacks, and letting them either you know just saying like hey. A moderator has to approve these, you know, and and whatnot. But um, but we're going to have this conversation around it. And we thought of, you know, really the back end of it was how do we create a little bit more balance in our opinion offering by saying like, hey, here's a question that we have that that came off off local news. And we we invite all stripes, regardless of if you're a subscriber or or not. You know, we invite all stripes to come in and have their say, and start that conversation there. Um, and that was really kind of the genesis of of what we call Colorado and Conversations, which is our uh, our product of this. Um, and so, you know, we every week we ask a question or two, and we hope that people engage in it. And then the the bigger part of the deliberative journalism aspect of it is our partnership with uh, Colorado uh, State University's Center for Public Deliberation, where Martin Carcasson and his students they'll go in and look through the um, conversation to look for you know value-based statements different you know parts of deliberation you know parts of good deliberation and parts of bad deliberation to help us kind of frame the conversation you know and ultimately you know our goal is to to work toward community solutions um, with these and whether it's just improving the amount of information that's available on you know to decision makers to say you know, a lot of issues that we have, you know, distrust in media is also seen in distrust in our in our institutions. And a lot of that comes from, especially in the pandemic era, people feeling, you know, not involved in the processes. So if we can say like, hey, here's a forum, there's an active, you know, growing group of people, you know, who are who are interested in this, and we're going to present, you know, not as a editorial not as you know we're saying this should happen but this is the conversation around a, a given topic um you know and hopefully that leads to better decision making makers by the people who who we put in charge it sounds like a pretty simple idea that you ask people to to come in send in their thoughts their ideas their comments on a big issue and you sort of moderate it but actually what you're saying is it's far more complicated than that. There's a lot of thought that goes into how you then present some of that information that's sent to you. So what does a final product sort of look like? What does the conversations look like once it's ready to go live? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it, it'll look different based on the conversation. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we're at, we're looking at, at volume, you know, like almost a simple vote, you know, here are, here's, you know, we asked this and, 70% of the people said, you know, no, the city needs to go back to the drawing board on this, you know, but then we look at, okay, why, you know, what are the underlying factors? Um, 
that that are that are driving those you know and and right now in fort collins we have a big uh, conversation about um a land use code you know which guides how how the city which is rapidly growing will grow into the future and people's concerns about um how the code is presented would it would increase the potential for housing density in you know in what you know once was called probably a large town and is now a small city uh, acting more like that but the conversation of course is does increasing density actually improve affordability in a place that is you know that the median housing you know the home price is more than six hundred thousand dollars where a lot of you know our working class has already been you know in effect priced out of home ownership and so that's the place where we're starting to get to the point where it's not just a one-off let's ask a question this week and answer one the next week but where we're really trying to dig into the different facets of of the tensions in these um in people's um expectations about what a land use code might look like and providing that you know on a week to week basis so so each week it's it's a recap of the conversation of what we're what we're trying to do but you know our ultimate goal in working with with Martin and his students is is to provide you know maybe some uh some research guides you know about hey here are the the main conversations points points presented about this 427 page document that we've produced you know over you know what will be you know a span of months um that allow people to really dive into what something that they felt was inaccessible um you know right or wrong through the city's initial processes that largely happened uh during uh you know covid shutdowns and hesitancy to you know engage in these processes so we're you know we're hoping that it serves kind of as an unofficial guide for people to speak on these issues not just from the you know the the gut feeling of yes i want fort collins to grow or no i don't want fort collins to grow but to really look at like these this is how you know these these documents would impact you know the future of the place that you know all of these people you know so so care about and are, are passionate about so you know we try to get past just those initial passions and provide good solid information about you know what what these changes actually would mean has it had any effect on how you do your day-to-day journalism is it making you think a little bit differently you know i think anytime that you're opening yourself up to additional feedback uh critique comments um it does um because it the questions that that we receive the comments that we receive through this definitely impact our reporting and how popular is this conversations forum is it sort of something you've been surprised by how people are reacting to it you know i mean it's you know it's i wouldn't say i was surprised i didn't have um expectations that this would be a large volume um to start you know but um you know when we when we ask a question now we can we can expect you know a solid 
uh, conversation of 30 to 90 posts, people, you know, going back and forth. And maybe that might be, um, you know, there's, there's probably a core group of 20 to 30 commenters who I kind of know by name and, and recognize, but there's additional people coming in based on, you know, the topic and conversation. I think it's been pretty well received. Um, metrics wise, it, they've performed better than our traditional opinion offering that we did in the past. You know, we see more, more readership per post, you know, more engagement around, around that. And then, you know, and that gives us the, it gives us the runway to hopefully build it into the future. And you mentioned something uh, interesting before about trust or lack of trust. And, uh, Everywhere around the world, there's uh, quite a low level of trust in the media, particularly the US. I think only 34% of people overall trust the media to report report fairly and accurately. Do you find this, is this project having any impact on make, making people come back to your paper, come back to sort of trust or engagement with you? Hard to say. I mean, I think there, there, are, there are very involved, low-trust, readers who tend to you know skew conservative but they're very engaged with us you know i don't know that i'm going to win their trust um but i can show that yes you have a place in the conversation you are not being ignored you are being added into you know into the conversation that we're providing and you know, I mean, the the underpinnings that, you know, undermine trust in the media, I mean, those will still be there for for these people. But at the very least, at a, at a low level, you know, we're showing that, no, you know, you have a place in the conversation. And by being so inclusive with all the different voices and opinions, do you think you're in a small way, perhaps sort of tackling the problem of polarization that you're showing that all voices are welcome and, and equally valued. Is that helping with that other big problem that everybody faces, which is yeah. polarization? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, you know, and that's the hope is that, you know, we can, we can get beyond the loudest voices um, dominating um, and show that, you know, again, as most people, you know, as uh, I forget who said it, but, you know, there's the 80% of us who live in the middle, um, you know, who are open to having our ways of thinking challenged, who are open to having dialogue um, and to hear other views that, you know, again, that that's not as odd as it's made out to be on other platforms sometimes. <laughs> um, that, you know, that we can show that there's a place for discussion and consideration of other viewpoints and and all of those and so i think you know i think that it's not overt but i think when you look at um you know the conversation and you can see two people who who disagree on something start to just kind of get into it and but but say you know okay i see your point you know but have you thought about this you know and and if they're going back and forth and having that respectful dialogue you know that that's a win uh for us um over what we were previously doing, which, you know, I would always call ping pong opinion, which is like, oh, we present one opinion here and then we wait a week and we present one opinion here. And it's just, you know, 
and we expect that readers are actually following along when the fact of the matter is most of them aren't. So if we can capture that that balance, that um, that full fledged you know conversation in one capsule, um, you know I think it allows people to see that yeah I mean there there are some good arguments out there that might challenge my way of thinking and might bring me you know closer to the middle um you know on on some of these topics you mentioned a word quite earlier on in this discussion diversity has this sort of opened the door for more voices and actually increased diversity in in your offering and and how you're engaging with people that's the hope i don't know that you know that we're there yet really um i think um fort collins is 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 a lot more diverse than it than it used to be even in the 10 years that i've grown here but i mean we you know we are largely a monoculture um still you know and i think you know getting um underrepresented voices into those conversations you know has been and will be a bigger lift you know and what it 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 doesn't just involve us providing the platform but it it involves us having more outreach you know into those community groups and 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 frankly not doing it in a way that the media has done it in the past where you know we we always go into underrepresented community groups and and say you know what do you think about this like what can you tell us about these things what can you give us and it often feels like a very disingenuous um, effort. I've got a lot of questions talking about the problems you're facing because there are so many problems the media faces. Another one particularly for you is that there's a huge um, problem with local media surviving in the current economic and business models. And particularly newspapers are closing at, I think, two a week, a rate of two a week in America or have been, that really that there's a vanishing local voice for many, many communities. And they call it, you know, the, a desert. Um, mm-hmm. Is this, do you see sort of deliberative journalism as sort of one of the tools that could kind of re-engage communities and, and, and keep local media relevant to their audiences? Absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, a, a news outlet that doesn't speak with its community, you know, that instead just speaks to its community is, is, is probably going to have a lot of issue surviving going forward. So is deliberative journalism here to stay for you? I hope so. Um, you know, I I hope that we have the bandwidth and the manpower to continue to produce it. That, you know, if we have those decisions, we can always create deliberative opportunities that are news-based and not, you know, necessarily production-based. You know, maybe we don't do them on a week-to-week basis, but maybe we do them around you know, as part of the toolbox in our coverage of, of big, you know, events. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I really hope so. I think there's a lot of opportunity in, in it going forward for, for people who are just willing to engage and, and, um, embrace some of the, um, you know, the, uh, the uncertainty that comes with it. Back to Martine Carcassonne from the Center for Public Deliberation. How does he see the future for both deliberative communication and journalism? 
and just how much interest is there in adopting the concepts. And again, I'll make the split between kind of the deliberative work and the deliberative journalism work. Uh, you know, certainly the deliberative work, uh, you know, the CPD has has replicated itself. There's very similar organizations and lots of different universities. I did a lot of work. The Kettering Foundation, which is a, a really hub for this work in the in the United States, uh, I was part of a, for 10 years, part of the Centers for Public Life program, training people to start centers like this, right? You know, and we probably had 80 or 100 or so uh, communities kind of go through that that process. Um, and, you know, organizations like the National Coalition for Dialogue and Deliberation and the Bridge Alliance, you know, there's a lot of, and, and a lot of these have grown in the last, you know, 15, 20 years uh, of these resources to, you know, get beyond kind of two-party, get beyond polarization and and and, and build resources to bring people together. Uh, so then applying it specifically to journalism, you know, certainly kind of still pretty new. Working some with the American Press Institute, uh, we, we've had some some work, uh, you know, the Kettering Foundation, and 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 they have a program officer focused on journalism. Uh, so we've had some meetings to kind of spread this, right? Um, and 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 part of we're trying to figure it out here first. Once we start really figuring it out, then my goal is to build some toolkits, to do some trainings, to do some workshops, uh, to to provide kind of you know journalists that are interested on in how to do this. You know, following. We we work a lot with uh, or aware of like the solutions journalism movement. Uh, there's some really interesting connections between solutions journalism and deliberative journalism, um, and some differences, right? Uh, but but you know, they provide this model of they they built this new way of doing journalism, and then they're training and they're creating a network of of solutions journalists, uh, which we're really excited about what they're doing, uh, and we see it as a very positive thing. Uh, we have a little bit of a different kind of toolkit, but. Uh, a complementary one, uh, but we, we see kind of what they're doing is in some ways kind of showing us uh, the path that we might be doing. You know, and our work is both, we try to engage with both acting, uh, uh, active journalists and also journalism educators, right? So so we got quite a few journalism professors uh, in different places that are part of this conversation that are kind of watching what we're doing. And, and hopefully, as we, we work with a journalism professor here that has a dedicated class, uh, you know, experimenting, you know, we'll, we'll get, you know, we'll present at, at conferences and so forth about what we're doing and, and hopefully kind of grow it. So you're pretty confident deliberative journalism might take off in some form. I think so. I mean, again, I think it's a win-win. I think it's a uh, communities need it. Uh, and I think you know, a, a lot of you know local papers and news outlets need to kind of redefine themselves and, and kind of make it clear their value to a community. So I do think it is kind of a potential uh, win-win there, hopefully moving forward. Thank you to my guest, Martin Carcassonne, the director of the Center for Public Deliberation at Colorado State University, and Eric Larson, the editor of the Coloradoan newspaper. Thank you for joining me, Tanya Saksuski, for this Media Delcom podcast produced by Media Diversity Institute Global. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and share it. We look forward to your company next time. Goodbye.